The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. Today, we are talking to Dr. Lauren A. Olson, MD, and the name of his book is Finally Out, Letting Go of Living Straight. Dr. Olson has frequently been asked two questions. How could you not know that you were gay until the age of 40? And wasn't your marriage just a sham to protect yourself at your wife's expense? And in Finally Out, he explains all of this and much more. Dr. Lauren Olson is a board-certified psychiatrist who came out at the age of 40. A father and grandfather, he's also a distinguished life fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and a recipient of the Exemplary Psychiatrist Award from the National Alliance on Mental Health. He's presented findings on his research on mature gay men at the World Congress of Psychiatry in Prague. And uh, in 2009, he legally married Doug Mortimer, his partner of 30 years Welcome, Dr. Olson. Welcome, Lauren. Well, thank you for having me, Patricia. I'm so pleased to be with you. Yeah, so uh, let's get those two questions answered because I'd like to know those, too. How could you not (laughs) know that you were gay until you were 40, and wasn't this marriage a sham to protect you at your wife's expense? Yeah, the second question is easy. It was not a sham. Uh, I uh, entered into my marriage vows uh, without having my fingers crossed. I was uh, completely believing at that time that I was heterosexual and the, that my wife and I would be married uh, forever. Uh, the first question was really what led to my research and writing of finally out, um, because I wondered how I could have missed so many clues along the way as well. and. Yeah. Uh, without getting into too much technical psychiatric stuff, um, basically it's kind of like a child who believes in Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy. And you know, they believe in it uh, without question when they're very young. And then gradually pieces begin to fall into place where they begin to doubt their perceptions. And finally, the, the reality of it becomes so obvious that they can no longer pretend that they believe in that myth. Mm-hmm. So, finally, so what was it? What was that straw that kind of broke the camel's back? What was the thing where you finally said, no, I am gay and I have to admit this? What was it? Was it one incident or was it several incidents? Well, it was, I mean, as I look back, it was kind of a process that occurred over a period of time. But the real uh, culmination of it was when I fell in love with a man uh, and uh, experienced a level of uh, uh, physical and emotional intimacy that I hadn't experienced before. And uh, at that point, then, I was confronted with uh, 
uh, a very difficult predicament because I felt like I would not be able to put those feelings away again. And it was kind of mm-hmm. like I had punctured through that barrier in, in my brain that was pr- protecting me from all those things that I didn't want to realize about myself. Mm. So how did you, I mean, I know there's so much more to talk about. How did you approach this with your wife, or do you think she already had a sense? No, she didn't have any clue. Um, uh, It was a a difficult evening for us when uh, uh, we had that conversation, and uh, it was one uh, that I had thought about for probably several months before. Uh, There just didn't seem any way to get through it. I, uh, you know, there were times when I hoped that she would become an alcoholic or something where I could walk away and feel justified in doing it. But, you know, it came down to that it was going to be my own responsibility for making this choice. And I had uh, the consequences of that myself. Hmm. Very interesting. Is this when you started to do the research or had you been doing the research before this happened? Uh, no, I hadn't. I really, I had done very little reading about homosexuality um, uh, other than what was required in our training, and perhaps you know a bit more chastity than maybe the average. Uh, it uh, only came up um, much later that I began to do uh, the work. Um, I I don't know exactly what triggered it, uh, how I decided to do it, but what I found was that there were a lot of other men that I knew that had been married and had children and had come out in midlife, and there were very many parallels in the ways that we struggled with that decision before we did. And, mm. and so I began to look for what research was out there, and there really wasn't much. Yeah. You know, most people define gay as men who have sex with men. Yet there are some mature men, they could be rural or working class men or men from conservative backgrounds, who have sex with men but don't identify as being gay. So can you explain that, why they are unwilling or unable to identify as gay, or maybe they're not gay? Well, that's a, it's a a big uh, uh, area of concern. Uh, CDC uses the term men who have sex with men, uh, and uh, it's a behavioral description rather than a self-identity description, and there are lots of men who have sex with men who don't identify as gay. The word gay for many is very toxic, and it's a lot because of all the stereotypes that are associated with it, and mm-hmm. so... Uh, there are uh, a lot of men who experience uh, sexual attraction to other men, uh, but for them, being gay is just one step too far. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. But as you said, there are men who have sex with men that aren't gay. There are people That's who are right. bisexual. Yeah. Yes. So is it ever too late to come out of the closet? I mean, you came out a little bit older, but is it ever too late? No, it never is. In fact, there was just someone who was 95 who came out recently. Really? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, when I was doing my research, the oldest man that I uh, uh, interviewed was 90 when he came out, and uh, he was with a partner. Uh, and uh, many of these men have lived in uh, a marriage uh, for many, many years. Uh, the one in particular, over 50 years he'd been married, and it was when his wife died that he uh, finally decided to come out. So uh, it, there's no age limit. There's no uh, cutoff point. Hmm. 
You know, most religions traditionally have been hostile toward homosexuality or the idea of gay identity. So how do gay men reconcile their sexuality with their religious beliefs or, you know, or can they? And what can be done to make religions less antagonistic toward, you know, the LGBTQ community or or is that too big of a task? Well, it's it's uh, like we were talking about on the uh, off air uh, before. It's a slow, slow process uh, where uh, things evolve very, very slowly, and they can slide backwards very quickly. Um, but uh, uh, things have changed significantly in the uh, course of uh, the last few years. Doug and I were married about eight years ago, uh, and Iowa was one of the first. Uh, places uh, for marriage to, to be allowed for same-sex couples. Uh, but those uh, changes occur very slowly. A lot of it, I think, uh, Patricia, has to do with the idea that uh, we need to tell our stories and become real human beings to other people. Mm. It's, uh, if we start using statistics and, and in quoting science, uh, uh, the other uh, people who oppose us uh, simply dig more deeply into their own uh, position. But when someone's to me, uh, uh, and I say back to them, I'm gay, and this is how this is impacting me on a personal level, it changes the way uh, that people respond to us. Mm. Well, many older gay men grew up in a time when gay identity was essentially denied. I mean, it was denied by the, the culture. So the question is, how much of a role does our society view of homosexuality uh, as a product of you know, being immoral or being emotionally unstable or untrustworthy or even a threat to their country, um, you know, in terms of their process and their view of themselves. Well, that was one of the things that I explored in uh, writing the book again, and that was to try and figure out what life was like for me when I was growing up. And I'm uh, 74 now. I was born in 1943, so I was uh, a preteen at the time of the McCarthy era, era uh, when the uh, government uh, was trying to purge the government of communists and homosexuals. Uh, and so that that whole thing, even though I don't remember specific t- stories from when I was 10 years old, I, that was in the air that I was breathing in Nebraska at the time I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I, that created, I think, the background for why it became so difficult for me uh, to uh, accept yeah. that I might have some sex interest. Because it was very, it was taboo when you were growing oh, up absolutely. completely. People were going to jail and to prison. Uh, for really? periods of time. Really? Yeah, that I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, yeah. A, a big uh, uh, attempt to purge the government because we were seen as weeding and easily uh, invaded. Lauren, what do you think has changed? I mean, I mean, look at what you just said about the way it was and look where we are now. Now, I know, you know, in rural areas, it's not accepted in certain parts of the country. I mean, we're, we, but we've come a long way. Why do you think that is? Well, I think, uh, again, it goes back to um, uh, probably the time of the Stonewall Revolution, which was when uh, the, the gay bar in New York was raided and, and uh 
mostly the drag queens who began to uh, fight back, and that was in about 1969. And it became then, uh, and then through the AIDS uh, period, it became really important for us to uh, not be silent anymore about who we are. Uh, and uh, I think that had a lot to do with the changes that occurred. And again, I think it goes back to uh, hearing our stories and finding out you can't be prejudiced against somebody uh, if the only thing you know about them is the stereotypes. But if you know them as a real human being with uh, feelings, uh, we all bleed the same blood. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a break in a minute, but what is what do you want the message of your book to be? Then we'll come back and talk more, but what do you want to leave? You know, what's your message in the book? The message, I think, is uh, that uh, there is hope. Uh, that these are challenging uh, decisions that need to be made, um, but there is a, uh, a response that we can make to the pain that we experience. Yeah, very important. And how can people get your new book, Finally Out, Letting Go of Living Straight? The book is on Amazon, and it's available through any uh, local bookstore. It's uh, available uh, on Kindle and through Barnes & Noble's e-reader as well. Uh, And, uh, of course, from my website, which is lornaolson.com. And I have a tip sheet. O-L-S-O-N. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break. My guest is Dr. Lauren Olson. His book is Finally Out, Letting Go of Living Living Straight. He is a board-certified psychiatrist who came out at the age of 40. And we're going to talk more to Dr. Olson about his book and his work. And also, you know, his plea for mature gay men that, that, you know, that they can come out. And this book certainly gives uh, strategies and tips and stories. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Where are you getting your advice on buying, selling, or maintaining your most important asset, your home? Is it from a reality show on cable TV, a comparison website, or are you just flying by the seat of your pants and gut instinct? Stop now before you make another move. Tune into Real Real Estate Today with host and realtor Deb Tomorrow. You can't afford to play guesswork when it comes to your new or existing home. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on Voice America Variety. 
Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show Hi, everyone. We are back. I am talking to Dr. Lauren Olson, MD, who is a board-certified psychiatrist who came out at the age of 40. He's a father and a grandfather and a distinguished life fellow of the American Psychiatric Association and a recipient of the Exemplary Psychiatric Psychiatrist Award from the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And he presented findings from his research on mature gay men at the World Congress of Psychiatry in Prague. His new book is finally out, Letting Go of Living Straight. Welcome back, Lauren. Thank you. Good to be here. Fascinating. Yeah, fascinating. So we know that being gay, being homosexual is much, much more accepted than it was. I mean, used to go to jail for it, as you said in the first segment. And, you know, in many cities and many urban areas, it's accepted not so much in rural areas, right? I mean, there's still, it's, it's accepted, but there's still prejudice, correct? Yes, so, that's correct. You know, uh, I think we've always known, I live in the country, actually, in a very small town, and, and I grew up in a small town, and there were always uh, confirmed bachelors <laughs> in uh, yeah. the uh, little towns, and people kind of ignored it and didn't think too much about it. <clears throat> when uh, Doug and I got married here in Iowa, uh, uh, we were curious about whether or not people would come to the wedding because <clears throat> of where we live and uh, being fairly conservative area. Um, but everybody that we invited came and celebrated, and now attitudes have changed so much across Iowa, except for the very, very politically conservative areas of the state. Yeah, so, so things have changed, which is good. So that brings me to my next question. Is coming out good for public health? Are there dangers to public health when, when men choose to stay in the closet? And what are the personal health implications for men who do stay in the closet and don't admit that they're gay? Well, one of the the biggest uh, public health issues related to that, uh, Patricia, is uh, the risk of suicide. Uh, The Mm. risk of suicide for gay men is about three times that of the average population. And for trans uh, men and women, it's about eight times the uh, general population risk. Mm. And a lot of that happens at the time of trying to make the decision to come out. So that's mm-hmm. one of the major health implications. Mm. The others uh, relate mm-hmm. to uh, increased use of alcohol and drugs, uh, 
sex that's uh, high risk, uh, and uh, uh, that's a fairly high uh, problem, too. Mm. Mm. How would you define gay identity? Is it the same everywhere, or is it different depending upon your race or sexual practice or geographic area or your ethnic background? How would I define what I, I didn't hear? Oh, I'm sorry. How would you define gay identity? Is it the same everywhere or different in different areas? Oh, I, okay. Uh, gay identity, I, you know, I think is where we get into some of the difficulties because in my way of uh, understanding it, gay identity is what I call myself. And your sexual identity is what you call yourself. Where we get into trouble is if we begin to label other people. We mentioned briefly bisexual, uh, and there's a whole uh, alphabet soup of other labels that come up. But, you know, what really I think is important is not... uh, uh, our behavior, but how we identify ourselves and if we want to declare that to other people. Uh, but when we get into labeling other people, it's often based on uh, the prejudices and the stereotypes, uh, and we misread uh, who people are. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the points in the book that you make for people reading the book and saying, Mm, I really identify with that. Not only what are the points, but what have people said to you? What feedback have you gotten from the book? And then give us a few points. Well, the feedback has been very good. All of the endorsements in the front part of the book are very powerful. Uh, and uh, talk about the uh, the book being uh, not just a book about coming out, but about all human sexuality. But the ones that touch my heart, Patricia, are the ones who say... Uh, you're not telling your story. You're telling my story. Mm, and I hear from yes. men like that all the time. Mm. What are some tips that you would give to people that are reading this or listening to this program and saying, I think I'm one of them and I'm really scared? Well, oftentimes what happens is that people who are uh, struggling with any kind of decision about whether or not they might be gay or whether or not to come out, uh, they feel so alone. Uh, and they think that nobody else has ever gone through what they're going through. And so the book was an attempt to reach out to those people and say, you aren't going through this alone. There are lots of other people. And, you know, what what's most helpful in uh, the coming out process, if that's the way a person wants to go, is to find other people who've gotten through the process that can act as kind of mentors and coaches. Uh, and when you when it happened to me when I first came out, I, I joined a gay father support group, and I walked into that room, and I saw this diverse group of men, uh, and it shattered all my stereotypes immediately because I recognized that everything I had believed about gay men was not true. Mm. You know, the stereotypes so, are always true for some, but they're definitely not true for everyone. Stereotypes in terms of behavior and dress and, and affect, all of that. Absolutely, all of that. Yeah, yeah. So again, if somebody's listening or reading your book and saying, oh, this is me, but I don't know where to go, what, what, is your, what would your advice be on? Well, uh, uh, go to my website, uh, com, and I have a, uh, t- a tip sheet on sexuality called finallyouttips.com. Uh, there's a place they can find more information. 
Uh, and then there are uh, groups like uh, uh, PFLAG, uh, parents and friends of lesbians and gays, uh, and uh, oftentimes there may be a resource center in the more uh, urban areas where uh, there's information available. Okay. Can you give us a couple of tips that are on, on that sheet for people? Just give us one or two. Um, I think uh, one of the things is that uh, a lot of our beliefs uh, for men uh, are that uh, we're supposed to be, uh, to know everything there is about sex and to be able to perform uh, at all times. And one of the things that I hate is that we talk about sexual performance as if we're expecting people to give us a standing ovation. You know, sex should be about pleasure. It should be about an exchange of emotion as well as Mm -hmm. physical pleasure. And uh, a lot of people, I think, lose focus on that and think of it only as uh, some kind of a uh, a task that we (laughs) do or uh, an event that we perform, uh, when it should really be about communication in both physical and emotional ways. Hmm. It's interesting because I've, I've done some study interviews with heterosexual sex where they will say to women in particular, because um, endorphins and oxytocin is released in the brain, but much more of it in the woman's brain, which is very and a very attaching chemical. So if you have sex too soon or too quickly, then you get very attached, where the, the theory is that men don't have as much oxytocin in the brain, so they can they don't get attached as quickly. So I'd like you to address that from a gay standpoint. I mean, do men get attached when they have sex to each other or not so much? Well, it's uh, hard to generalize about everybody, but uh, I think, you know, that uh, it's probably generally too uh, that men are uh, uh, not just gay men, but uh, heterosexual men as well uh, are more able to have uh, sex with less attachment to their partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 testosterone uh, drives us crazy sometimes, and uh, so a lot of times it's just a matter of finding some source of friction and uh, being able to uh, uh, have sex uh, with uh, anybody. But, you know, I think uh, that particularly as you get older, uh, those things are not satisfying. Um, my yes. uh, first sexual experience as an adult man w- uh, was one uh, where it was uh, a very casual encounter with somebody I was not particularly uh, attracted to, and I ended up uh, kind of believing, uh, well, this isn't for me. I'm not, I can't be gay mm. because this was not what I thought it was going to be. Right. But right. I had no emotional connection with that person. And uh, it just sort of reinforced the belief that I was really not gay. But what changed all that for me, as I mentioned uh, earlier, was uh, when I really fell in love with a man and uh, had an emotional connection to it, and that made the sex much more powerful. Mm, Uh, But I I, I think you're right in saying that it is generally different for men than women. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, Very powerful. Great interview. Again, the book is finally out, Letting Go of Living Straight, Dr. Lauren A. Olson, MD, who came out at the age of 40. He's a board-certified psychiatrist. Log on to his website. And it's Lauren, what is the website again, Lauren Olson, or is it Lauren A. Olson? It's Lauren A. Olson. A is for my father's name, so it's Lauren, uh, and it's spelled L-O-R-E-N instead of the more common female spelling now. Lauren and uh, Olson, Lauren A. Olson, and it's 
S O N, not E N on Olson. Right, dot com. Uh, Lauren A. Olson dot com. Right? Yeah. Okay. That's Thanks it. so much for being on the program. It was enlightening, really. Thank you very much Thank for having me. And inspiring. Thank you. Enjoy All right. Lot. Thank you. Stand Thank the line you. for a minute. Stand the line for a moment. All right, okay. folks, that wraps up this half hour, and we're having another interview coming up next right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.